Alrighty, we're back with another, the first of the year for um, Behind the Vinyl. It is. And um, we're joined for his second appearance, Frederick from Opeth. Yes. Welcome aboard. Thanks for having me. Nicholas, of, of course, is here. Yes. And last time we talked about funny uh, Rainbow and Richie Blackmore stories. Yeah, we talked about the Rising album, right? We did. We did. I have told so many people the Flamingo story. I tell it like yeah. at least once a week. There's yeah. someone, oh, have you heard the Flamingo story? It's really good. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> really believe it. We heard it from the promoter, actually. Like, what? That and building the brick wall. Yeah. That's great. So um, we kind of hit you up. You're playing, playing uh, having a little bit of a short run. Three days, right? This run and then a little bit of a break. Yeah, it's um, kind of um, the... Um, the end of the European leg we did, that we ended up in, uh, what was it, November, late October or something? Yeah. And then we did an Asian tour in Asia. Asia and Australia, we, we, right? On the European tour, we ended up in Denmark, so we didn't play Scandinavia. So yesterday we played in Norway, and today we're in our hometown, Stockholm. Yep. And uh, on Wednesday, we're playing in Helsinki, Finland. Love it. So it's just three gigs. So we're bringing all this stuff, like big trailer and cost of fortune. So <laughs> we're not making any money on these shows, but it's a statement. You know, yeah, trying yeah. to step up the game or something. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Always a uh, the dreaded hometown guest list. Situation. Oh, it's a nightmare. So <laughs> yeah. I think it's about sixty after-show people tonight. Wow. So that's that's more demanding than the gig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, the album it's 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 pretty fitting and. Uh, so, so I'm going to throw it over to you. You chose the record, and what did you choose? We, I chose um, Moving Pictures with Rush. Yeah. And uh, initially, I was going to go for Priest in the East, which is Priest the live album. Yep. Um, which is fantastic. Yep. But then Neil Perth sadly passed away. Yeah. And I thought we should talk about Rush. Yeah. Oh, because the, his amazing drum legacy, and mm. it's uh, way too early. But such an iconical drummer, it's just yeah. the drummer. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's um, you know, it's a fitting reason to include it for a behind the behind the vinyl. But it's also an album that's justifiably on a behind the vinyl, mm. despite the fact you know it's an album we yeah. should be talking around. Absolutely. Anyway. Um, I guess this is just bringing it to the forefront. We're we're, we're discussing it today because of what happened. Um, I, I didn't even know that was going on. No, I had he, I had no idea. He's an old he's an old he's a roadrunner. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, we have the 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 last ten or twelve albums plus the uh, Yeah, we were actually label mates with them for a while there. Absolutely. Uh, I, I believe the last right. studio album on Roadrunner was it Clockwork Angels, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, right. I think that was a great album. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. I yep. saw the tour actually, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I only I saw Rush twice, both of them in the Globe, different tours. But because they when they when they came back here, they in like I don't know when they played the first show. They hadn't played here since 1979, I think. No, and they played in what 2012, something like that. Yeah, yeah. they might have played at Grand Lund, where we were close to. That's I exactly. I think that was the last time they played here. Right. I think yeah. so. Yeah. I also saw those two gigs actually. Yeah. It would have been cool to see them also. For oh, absolutely. Yeah. Would have loved it. I saw him a couple of times in London as well. They All right. London. Saw him a few times there. Saw yeah. him at Sweden Rock Festival as well. I didn't see that one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, they were good. Uh, Tom Sawyer. Is, uh, not Tom Sawyer. I mean, Moving Pictures is special to me. I, I think it's probably the Rush album I listen to most. Right. Uh, because one thing is, I really love the production on it. The, the early analog sound, which I think is fantastic. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
what's his name, the producer again? Terry, <laughs> Terry Brown. Terry Brown, yeah. <laughs> it might have been his best uh, produced album, I think. Yeah. He was talking about his, he did a lot of 80s stuff, right? the later 80s stuff. Right? No, not him. That's you, Syme. I guess Terry Brown did as well. I, Terry Brown, he hasn't really got that big a um, uh, resume. No, no. Okay. It's not as big as what you think it would be. No, yeah. no. It's just this warm, very warm analog sound that I, I'm a sucker for, basically. Yeah. 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 Well, let, let's play um opening track from the album, Tom Sawyer, and then we'll, uh, we'll come back and chat some more. I don't know whether it's a little known fact, but um, it was meant to be a so, uh, a uh, live record. Um, this record, yeah. You know, before this, it was meant to be a live record. They'd planned for it. They'd planned tours for it. They had like a two and a half year um, schedule, time schedule set up. And I think it was Neil Peart that uh, that that pushed for it to be. Hey, hang on a sec. We should be doing a studio record here. We got we got some stuff coming through. Yeah. Know? And they had recorded uh, several shows on the previous tour. Yeah. Uh, but then he got all excited about something and pushed him into the studio, kind of. He pr- I wonder what I wonder what he got excited about. I wonder whether it was Tom Sawyer, or because they were on tour right beforehand. Yeah. With with Max Webster, which is the Canadian band. Yes. And uh, I think Kim Mitchell, right? Or is Max Webster? Isn't Max Webster Kim Mitchell, or is Max Webster a different dude? I think Max Webster is the band, right? It might have been. Yeah, and um, yeah, and and the lead singer Pi. Yeah, that's not who wrote the the lyrics with with Neil for that one song. Ah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, that's something I didn't know that Tom Sawyer wasn't actually, or it was the lyrics, I guess. I it guess, was the lyrics. Came from a. Is it true that Neil wrote all the lyrics? Yeah, he wrote? all the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. all the lyrics. He was the lyricist. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And he, and he grabs from many different he's quite an intelligent guy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And his his lyrics are very uh well they're, obviously they're amazing lyrically. And it, I kind of find it quite unusual because he doesn't write the music. No. It's Lyson and and Getty that write the music. And I kind of feel that one that a drummer is writing the lyrics and two that he's not one of the songwriters as well. But he must have come up with a lot of drum parts though. Like <clears throat> you would think, yeah. Well, yeah. There, there was an inter- I heard an interesting interview with him how he does his drum parts, and he always starts them off with a very basic, like basic rhythm. Oh, okay. So that, like, underneath every- everything, for the fans, you've got that basic rhythm there. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> so it's it's not just for the not being difficult to be right, difficult. Right, right, know? right, yeah. Um, he says it's more enthusiasm, so he always puts something basic down to get started. Okay. And then he takes it to the extreme either side of that basic beat. Okay, cool. Yeah. I just read it. I don't know where I got it from, but it says, like, considering this was 1981, it says, the opening seconds of Tom Sawyer practically scream meet the new boss, and the new boss circa 1981 was a synthesizer. So, and there's a lot of that on that album, so that's really, uh, I don't know, it's really cool. It's always amazing that they're still a three-piece band and 
Yeah. You had it playing <laughs> bass on it with the pedals. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Taurus pedals, I guess. And, yeah. Um, doing all these keyboards and singing. And yeah, and playing bass. Yeah. Such a big sound for a three-piece band. It's it is. It is. Did you did you discover this record? Like, can you remember picking up this record? Or Yeah, it was definitely the track Tom Sawyer and also uh, it's, uh, YYZ. Yep. Because I had a lot of drummer friends and that's like the get to go to drummer nerdy yeah. song yeah um, and it's just amazing I remember I was in the band Talisman for the time and Jeff Scott Soto Marcel was heavily into Rush as well oh okay uh, so we were listening to lots of Rush in, in the van rides you know? all right yeah. nice well, nice but um, yeah I also played Tom Sawyer with the I had a cover band called Monsters of Metal. Right. And we all, always did Tom Sawyer. Right, right. So we had the backing tracks. It was with Matt Slavin and some drummers. Oh, cool. Oh, really? Okay. And I had a own band called South Point, and we had Tom Sawyer in our set list. Right. In our original songs. Right. As well. So that's when I got into Alex Lifeson, because... He's a bit underrated guitar player, I think. He's yeah. Massively underrated. You don't really you don't really read about him at the same time as you read about, you know, the Eddie Van Halens and the Jimmy Pages exactly. and all that. Yeah. And then I, I remember when I had to learn his solo in Tom Sawyer, I had to dig into his playing style more deeply. Uh, it has got to me that what a great player he is, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that song alone is um you know, for all three musicians, yeah, what like how challenging it is, yeah, you know? oh yeah, uh, definitely for, for all three of them. You know, it's just so throughout the whole song. Yeah, amazing. could it also be Rush's more most famous song? I would say, yeah, Spirit of the Radio. Yeah, that one. Yeah. And but I think Tom Sawyer and and also I think Working Man was one of the first. Well, yeah, was Working Man on a movie or something? Tom Sawyer's been in several movies, I believe. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Tom Sawyer's in that, um, the, the movie with um, um, Paul Rudd and um, oh. it's called uh, Bro, I Love You, whatever it is. Yeah, or whatever. And Rush is in that. Dude, I Love You. Dude, I Love Yeah, and yeah. Rush is in that movie as well, which is pretty funny. Well, Rush have got that really, like, it's a very, the comical value is really there. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like... I like Opeth in that way. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's, there's a... There's a you know, some of these bands, Opeth, Meshuggah is another one, mm. Dream Theater is another one, right? And and Rush, like people probably don't realize there's such a dry comical value, right? In right. all these bands, right. as well. You know, yeah. yeah. Backstage, after shows, like yeah. Dressing rooms, like there's a there's always a fun vibe with you. Guys. Always fun vibe exactly. with you guys, and and. You're not always sitting down doing maths and stuff like that. No, no, it's, it's quite a, quite the opposite. Yeah, which is probably good for balance. Yeah, since I guess the music can be seen as pretty serious. Yeah, it's yeah. not a lot of fun in the music. No, but I think like with bands like like as you mentioned, Opus and Dream Theater and and Rush, I think was always considered as like a a thinking man's. Um, music because it's very technical and you know there's uh, shifts in tempo and all that stuff and it differs a lot from just the regular heavy metal or hard rock stuff that's out there it, it you know it, it takes um, I think you have to invest more so to speak when it comes to listening 
to, to that kind of music. It's not just something you put on in the background. You really want to listen to it and, you know, hear the drum beats and the guitar solos and all that stuff compared to putting on an ACDC record yeah. at a party yeah. or something. So yeah, it doesn't go well at beer party. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. And you just want a straightforward accept riff. Yeah, exactly. Well, 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 Rush never went well with the girls. No. No. You know, the, and and I've got to be honest, even when I was growing up, you know, it was more Metallica, Motley Crue. Oh, sure. You know, yeah. This yeah. kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Rush definitely come at a later stage for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and i got no idea when I got into Rush. I just suddenly realized I was into them. I can't remember my... There's always a record, you know, your entry point. Yeah. You know, like your entry point into Metallica or into Opeth or into... But Rush, I can't remember there ever being an entry point for me. Rush for me was probably like the later half of the 80s. And I just remember a friend of mine having probably Power Windows or Grace Under Pressure or something like that and listening to that one. And then later on, I bought... Uh, which was, I think, like one of the first CDs I bought, uh, A Show of Hands, the live album, which I think is from 1989 or 1990 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I really started getting into the band and buying more records and really listening to them, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it took a while. Yeah. When I was younger, I, I always hanged out with people a bit older than my age. Mm-hmm. I was trying to play. I started playing with different musicians in my hometown, like Uppland Svesby, I had a lot of musicians there. And I always tried to play with the people that were better than me. And then after a while, hopefully I got better than them and I <laughs> yeah. leveled up with some other dudes. <laughs> <laughs> so I always got um, like the more old school guys playing the stuff that, you know, like the old purple and stuff. And right. Much. So I, I listened to the early albums pretty early on. Actually. All right, yeah. Even though uh, I wasn't really in that era. Right, 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 right. So I think it was Passage to Bangkok or, and also Anthem that was like right. the first Rush impression to okay. me. Okay, right. C- cool. Very interesting. Hey, let's play um, YYZ and we will come back and talk about that. YYZ, of course, them being, as it says, the uh, the Morse code or the, or the calling code, whatever it is, for, Toron- for the Toronto airport or something, yeah. for, which I had no idea. From what I understand, they were in a small, a light aircraft approaching. Oh, okay. And that come on the Morse code, you know, oh. from, from the... Uh, at first, I was like, well, what the fuck are you thinking if you're in Morse code when <laughs> yeah. you're in a plane? Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, but supposedly, Neil was like... Well, that's a pretty cool uh, little drum beat. Right, song. yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> that's brilliant. That's genius. Exactly. It is, yeah. That's that's probably my favorite song. Like, there's a lot of great songs. Like, um, Witch Hunt, you're saying, is probably yours. Yeah, I love that from, track. From this record. Um, yeah. Limelight is great. YYZ, Tom Sawyer, they're oh, all, yeah. all great songs. I yeah. think the entire album is very consistent. Yeah. It, yes. Maybe their most consistent album. Yeah, I think it said somewhere I read today as well. It said that it was the first album where I think where they kind of didn't have an influence from other bands or something, where they kind of like, uh, I don't know, came up with their own sound or something like that. Because like early Rush is very Zeppelin and very like 
hard rock or whatever you want to call it, 70s stuff. I also heard that they had no pressure from the record label. Right. Okay. They were, they were um, Probably helps. Yeah, they'd been together six years or something like that as a the three of them now. Yeah. And quite moderate success, you know. Yeah. So that the record company just kind of laid off them. Yeah. Um, and maybe you could answer this. Like, from what I understand, they went to a, a little retreat, you know, with the lake. And he would sit by the lake and write lyrics during the, the morning, early afternoon. Then they'd get together and jam and they'd stay there for the, the weeks, you know, Monday to Friday. Go home for the weekend with the family. So they had a nice balance of, mm. of that. Um, how do you feel about it? what is what does Opeth do? Because this album was recorded in Stockholm. Your latest record was recorded in Stockholm, right? Yeah. So mm. you would go home each night. Yeah, we did, and we we started earlier in the morning. Like we were at the studio at eight, Oof. like a regular job. We wow. Might start recording at nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. About drinking coffee and whatever uh, before. Um, so it was kind of nice. We worked until six, seven in the evening, and then you could go back home and meet your kids you know right yeah. on the previous two albums we've been at Rockfield in uh, Wales, Wales right yeah. also, also Rush did record two albums Farewell to Kings and oh right I believe it was Hemispheres oh okay right. yep. and it's, it was so cool there because in the Studio A you have the paintings on the glass windows that uh, the guys from Russia did so it's oh, all there oh nice so that's cool it's a very iconic place but getting back to your question to record that it's a residential studio so you live there yeah very intense together for two weeks oh, okay right and work three long days hmm. right in, in the flip side what do you prefer i kind of like both i like the since we did two albums in, in that rock field hmm. in that way it was nice to do something different this album and do it in stockholm and as you mentioned, it wasn't as intense. This recording we did now in Kauta Venenum was on the period of three and a half weeks. And mm. compared to the album before, we did all the recordings in nine days. Wow. Which was very efficient. Yeah. Right. But also quite demanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I kind of like the, the way when you're super focused and seals off your private life. Yeah. It's going yeah. for yeah. it. It's very efficient in a way. Yeah. But... It, I guess I like the variation of the two. Yeah. But I guess it's got to be some pressure. Otherwise, you could just like, you know, there's a, isn't there the danger of like, ah, we'll do it tomorrow? Yeah. Knowing that you have like specific, like we have to be done by this date or whatever, that really brings the A game. Yeah, I definitely. Think. Yeah. And sometimes when we had an engineer, I hate it when time goes to waste instead. I get very impatient. Right, yeah. And um, sometimes the talking eating fucking cinnamon bun and talking about <laughs> shit with somebody. Right, yeah. Get on! <laughs> that, that can be frustrating. And yeah. that, I like that with the latest recording when we worked with Stefan Bowman. It was very... Even though we didn't spend as long time in the studio, we were really efficient. In that right, time. yeah, yeah. When, just um, to keep on Opeth, when you go into the studio, do you starve yourself with music beforehand? Or do you... You know, some people... Michael Shanker, for instance, and you sat down with Michael Shanker... He reckons he hasn't listened to any music for like 30 years. Wow. Because he doesn't want any oh, in, influence. Oh, wow. Jesus. Um, I had that kind of mindset when I was younger, actually. Yeah. I didn't want to, it has to be all unique and just come from me. But all pure. But uh, not anymore. I don't think like that. I, I listen to quite a lot of stuff, you know. Right, yeah. But 
during a re- actual recording of the album, I don't really listen to much other music. Right. No. Then I'm just focused in what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Right. What we're doing then, and just breathes that chunk of music you have to yeah yeah put in, not print, but you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Lay down. I mean, this album, latest one, was cool because we we did rehearse before. Now we're not supposed to talk about that, but uh, and that that made this recording. I, I like that because we were more relaxed with all the parts when we did the actual recording. No, yeah. Sometimes it's kind of silly if you want to learn details in the riff mm. in the studio. It's a waste of time. Yeah, yeah. And also you play it with more confidence if you have rehearsed it as an entire band, which we did. And I think that was for us very important for this latest album. Yeah, the pre-production, <laughs> and and that's what that's what Rush did. They went up to this retreat, mm. sat by the lake, wrote pre pre-production up there for a couple of weeks. You know, maybe it was a month. You know. Mm. And got the songs, got the songs down, so they could, uh, they could, from what I understand, um, uh, red, red bachetta, one take. All oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. So they're they're so honed and so primed with these kind of these songs. I guess they didn't even play after click track. Probably not. No. That's it. We, we don't know, but yeah, it's um, it's the way you should do it if you can do that. If you can do it, yeah. And so that's the benefit. Financially, it's a benefit as well because you're not spunking away all the money in the studio. Yeah. And About the click track has nothing to do with Rush specifically, but I don't get that because I remember um, talking to John Five, who's, who's recorded an album with David Lee Roth. Yeah. And it hasn't been released. And he didn't. Re- he did all the guitar work, no click track, whatever it was. And then Dave said, and John Five had to leave or whatever it was. And 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 David uh, David says, oh no no, we'll add the drums, you know, after you leave. And then the engineer or somebody said, like, you know, you can't do that. There's no click track. It, it was the opposite way around. Okay, was it okay? It, it was the drums. They didn't do the drums to a click track. Oh, that's the way. Okay, so. Oh. <clears throat> and then they called John Five back. And he did and it all in like. like uh, you got to you got to do it, and there was no no click track. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. But you can you can record without a click track. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. It, Okay, I mean, what, it's just to get it more precise, or is that the... I think it, it has its advantage, but I mean, your old favorite albums like Sabbath and stuff, they didn't record after click track. No. It, I think it makes the music... I don't think Led Zeppelin they didn't record with the click track. No. It makes the music float. Right. It, it's not the consistent tempo. It might vary BPM. Right, yeah, up, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It also has a cool... Effect. Organic vibe to it. Exactly. Right, right. Also, they used to record it a lot differently then as well. You know, mm. yeah, yeah. you'd I all mean, be in the same room, um, for instance, or you'd often be in the same room. Mm. You know, it's, like, of uh, course, easier if you want to do stuff after the core of the recording. Right. Play it with the click track. It's, right. You, know, you can move stuff around. And, yeah. But, I mean, today it's technology so advanced you can, even though the drums weren't recorded click track, you can right. morph that into it. Right, right. You know, edit the drums so they're eventually after click. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. But um, but also back then, like with with Rush and taking all this time, I mean, it was different times as well. I'm just thinking that you know, more money from the record company and things like that. You were able to take that time back then yeah, but compared to today. It's different today. Yeah. So yeah. Hey, let's play another song.
have you ever met the guys? Never. Uh-huh. I met uh, Gedley's nephew. That's okay. the closest. Okay, <laughs> that's that's close <laughs> enough. <laughs> but um, but so how much life's then? How much you said you started to get into him and appreciate him having <coughs> been playing Top Sawyer in your. Uh, um, what do you think of him now? Because he is a very underrated. Yeah, I mean he's an icon. I mean he's a super famous guitar player and he's very appreciated of many people, of course. But yeah. guitar hero wise, I think he could be even more highlighted. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's probably the the they're all a little bit like how, how do I say this because to to you and you and to you they have an identity sure but within a way they're they're a little bit there's a mystique there's a, a facelessness to to Getty Lee's probably the most recognized yeah his ponytail and this kind of shit. I mean live son and, and Peart both could be working in an office <clears throat> could be working on they could be you know. On the other hand, one of the most rock and roll photos ever is Alex Lifeson New Year's Eve when he had a fight. He and his son had a fight, and Alex Lifeson is standing there with with a bloody nose, and there's blood all over his white shirt. Yep. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty cool. I mean, the early days when he had long hair and stuff, it looked like oh yeah, very rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. N- Neil Peart looked amazing with long hair. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. long hair and his little mustache and goatee. Yeah. I was going. I'm going to. Um, I'm going to cut your grass. One of the greatest rock and roll photos ever taken is Eddie Van Halen taking a picture of some random guy at Tool. Have you seen it? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Eddie Van Halen's off the... This is only... Yeah, last year. Last year, like quite towards the end of of last year. Yep. So Eddie Van Halen's off the scale. No one knows where he is, how he's doing, what he's doing. Uh, Tool play LA. And Eddie and Wolfgang Van Halen go. And some... It wasn't a kid. He was like mid twenties. Oh, absolutely. 20s, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe even older. I uh, walked up to this gentleman and asked him if he could take a photo. It was Eddie Van Halen. So probably not knowing he's no, and he just wanted him to take a photo of him with the tool stage he, in the background. He, wa- he wanted yeah, <laughs> I love that. He wanted right. Eddie Van Halen to take a photo of the fan with the tool stage in the background. Exactly. He didn't so realize. Of course. No. Realize it was so I think it was Wolfgang took a photo of Eddie taking a photo of this guy in front yeah. of the okay, tool stage. Okay. I haven't seen that. I got to check it, that out. It was magical, and that was the first photo of of Eddie, I think, for a while that yeah. popped up. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So That's super cool. It was also Dave Lee Roth in Vegas knocking on a door where they're playing Van Halen and some some in his in his hotel room. Exactly, the sun floor up or something. Jock dude with the uh, with the cap backwards on opens the door and and david roth says something about yeah that's my that's my band van halen's on. and the the guy has no idea it's david roth <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious yeah it's ridiculous so uh keep going on we're going to play witch hunt after this your favorite song off this record you think yeah i love it because i think when the actual chorus comes in it, it's such a it's one of those melodies that actually gives me goosebumps mm. And I think they made a lot of cool live versions of that track. Right, yeah, yeah. It's something. It's it's about a it's a bit spooky title for being Russian. Also, witch hunt in the beginning here. Yeah, something yeah. that um, sim not simulate. What do you say? That's similar or uh... no? I, I mean, it it's supposed to sound like a witch oh, okay, hunt yeah, 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 yeah. Witch process thing. Right, yeah, it's yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. So it has a bit of a occult vibe to it. Yeah. Well, supposedly they would even go into different band monikers and even different band names, like where the Fabulous Four, oh, or something like that, or Fabulous Five, or some okay. name like that. Even though there's three of them, right? But they'd call themselves that, 
and they'd do these different, which is why they would write in very different styles of music. Mm. One would be more reggae ska. Right. So if they got that kind of lick, okay, now we're going to be the Fabulous Five. Oh, okay, right, yeah, okay. And they would play, they would all kind of, that was the way they would say, you know, they wouldn't say, hey, this one's going to have a bit of a ska reggae feel to it, which this record has. Yes. Yeah, this record has bits and pieces that yep. are really, really kind of scary yeah. reggae. Um, they would, so they would actually kind of pretend mm-hmm. like they're a totally different band. Okay, that's and cool. they did that for a few. They had a few. If they're going to play a more rocky one, they would be like, you know, they had another name for that. And up until their whole career, up until the end, they would oh, do that. okay. So they're in, in, in the studio rehearsing, in the rehearsal studio, and then they're like, okay, we're... And they'd, <laughs> they'd scream out a name of a band. Okay, right now we're going to play... We're in this band, okay? And they would drop into that, and that would be a style of music that they would play when they wrote that song. That's really cool. Different names for different energies. Exactly, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, cool. yeah. It's very cool. It's really cool and really yeah. interesting, actually. Yeah. Like a painter having different... Yeah. Oh, yeah. colors. Yeah. Yeah. And You, Syme, which I didn't know, plays synthesizer on that album. And You, Syme, is the uh, the guy who did the uh, the artwork and who worked with so many bands. So many bands. Well, and I think he did, he, from that on... He did a, a one or two Rush albums before this one, and then from from then on, he did like I think he did every single all the way up till Clockwork Angels. Right. Okay. But he also did Warrant, Stick It To Ya. He, he also did Iron Maiden. Oh, the X Factor or something X like Factor that. As yeah. Well. Yeah. And he did Warrant, Cherry Pie. I did. He did a lot of '80s stuff. Night Ranger, Man in Motion, <clears throat> Kiss then, Revenge. Knock him, knock. He did Kiss. He did yep. the, knock him for Cherry Pie from Warrant. But holy fuck, that probably paid him more. Than oh sure. Than a rush record. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell this yeah. Is, this is quite an iconic record, and yeah, there's, a, there's little. Apparently, it's sold 40 million in total. This album, not this album. Um, the, also, the entire catalog. Yes, entire catalog, yeah. but it is their best-selling album altogether. I think yeah. four million copies in the states. Yeah, right? states. yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's good. That's a pretty good result. It's a lot of money for 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 the type of music that it is. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yes. This is not mainstream music, so no. Oh, we, we in Europe didn't really get spoiled with Rush touring here, did we? No, not at all. Not, no, no. no. It's the like the career. I guess they won't be playing live with some other drummer. I, I don't know. There's been all these rumors and talks about Mike Portnoy, but I mean, talk about Dave Grohl and Dave, yeah, oh Dave yeah, Grohl he's he's yeah, he's not physically nor musically capable of playing right like Neil, like Neil. Yeah, I would no. imagine Portnoy could could nail that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Probably. And he's probably the right fit for it, too. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, but whether the other two would do it. it. It begs the differ, or begs the point, whether he was aware of his cancer when he retired. Um, yeah, well, it kind of makes you think. Because the time, the time scale kind of works right. Yeah. Um, maybe yeah. with six months or maybe even a year. Yeah, it might have gotten the diagnosis or something like that, and you know. Yeah, or an early warning, like okay, this is coming. Yeah. And he ended. Yeah. You know. I mean, speaking about Neil, he had a lot of blues in his life, really. I mean. Oh yeah. To his wife and his daughter. And his daughter, and, yes. You know, on top of that, he gets yep. cancer. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's very sad. Hey, I, I. I did meet him a few times actually. Oh, you did. Yeah. Yeah. Because they also, when you read about, like Mike Portnoy posted like uh, a long uh, text about him meeting him the first time when he did some, um, he did uh, 
something for was it Drum Magazine or something where he got the interview like Lars Ulrich, Neil, and someone else, and and everybody says that he was a really private person, and um, but also that uh, I listened to um, uh, the drummer from Living Color right, who yeah. was friends with him. Yeah. And who also said that, like the first time that he met him and and stuff like that, and they would talk about like it was you know math stuff and technical stuff, yeah. and he was into all these kind of art and all kinds of stuff. He was a real, I think he was a well read, uh, well read man. I think it was well read. Um, I think he had a sense of humor yeah. from from what everyone says. But there's one thing like Limelight, which we played earlier on, um, you know, kind of highlighted the fact that. Uh, um, well, that song was about his his perception. His, oh right, yeah, his, yeah. His dealing with the being, yeah, being famous. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, you'd know perfectly what that's like. You know, like people, you know, when you're at a gig or something, people always wanting something maybe from you, a photo, or a, or a, uh, you know, an autograph. Yeah. Or something like that, and although it's flattering, it's also a little bit hard to understand or hard to. It's mostly awkward if I'm in the subway. I mean, yeah. we're not yeah. super famous in Sweden, which I like. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you like your privacy. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think it's our band's goal to be in the main right. papers. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, yeah. being recognized. It's no. I'm not sure why we're doing this. No. Yeah. But, um, but sometimes it happens, like, in the subway. And then I'm I'm not in that zone. I'm no. like, why is that guy staring at me? Yeah. What's, what's wrong with him? Yeah. I, you know, I think it's more like a threat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then I realize, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm in the bath. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you get that when you go out to dinner with the family? or It happens, yeah. you know, but it's usually in a very polite way, so yeah. it doesn't bother me. No. You know? no. Usually people are really polite, but yeah. when you're actually eating and somebody comes up to you and want to shake your hand and stuff like that, that might be, maybe you can wait a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of my proudest moments is that I was mistaken for Fredrik at uh, Systembolaget a long time ago. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Uh, really? Yeah, because um, the, uh, the guy working there, he, I think you were standing either behind me or in front of me, and the guy working there, he, he, you had probably asked him for something, uh, and he came oh, yeah. up and he started talking to me, and, I remember that, and then I realized, and I think he realized, or you said, "No, it was me." And, and at Lily Holman, right? In, in Lily yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> long, long hair and everything. Small world. It is a small world. It is. It is. I, I was on the road with Zach Wild once, and we were driving through the UK in this like nothing little village in the middle of nowhere, which no one ever goes to. I don't even know why we were driving through there. And I think someone wanted to go to the bathroom or something, so we stopped at a at a gas station, and we got off and walked in there. And there was a kid who happened to be a massive Black Label Society fan. Oh, that's cool! He had a, a dime bag tattoo and a Black Label tattoo, and he was physically <laughs> shaking. And, and he kept saying to me, "Is that really him?" Because it, it was so out of place. It was so out yeah. of place, and this poor kid was literally like freaking out. Yeah, so it's hard to take in that. I mean. Yeah, it's it's hard to take in. Absolutely, like somebody getting very nervous to meet you. For me, it's just oh, <laughs> I don't get it. You know? No, 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 I'm, no. I'm the same when I, I met Tony Iommi once, and I was like, right, oh, it's Tony Iommi. You know? <laughs> so I, I can definitely relate to it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Let's play Witch Hunt, and then we'll come back and uh, wrap this up.
Brody, we're going to wrap this up. Sound check. Frederick's <coughs> about to walk on stage and sound check. Um, thanks for your time, man. Thanks for bringing this album too to the to the front line. Oh, here. yeah. Thanks for having me. It's yeah. cool. You're both big Rush fans, apparently. So. And then you I've also got to know something I didn't know about Rush. Thank yeah. you. So I appreciate it. Yeah, that was great fun. I'm, I'm going to go home and listen to Rush again. Uh, actually, when you said it, I was like, I, I'm not a huge Priest fan. I, I'm okay. Like, I'm, I'm kind of midway. So when you said, uh, I was thinking of doing Priest, but I'll do Rush instead, I was like, yeah. fuck yeah. You know, this is yeah. great. Cool. So it's really good. And I actually haven't listened to this record for a while. No, and I, and I kind of jammed it a lot over the last couple of days because it's. Uh, yeah, me too. I had it on the flight over to Oslo, and like I had to dig into it again because we're doing this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's that's definitely good. worth digging into. Hell yeah, that's for sure. And, uh, that's for sure. Neil Perth, rest in peace. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Hell yeah. So, uh, given the chance, um, Rush. Someone, someone was filling for it. Portnoy was on the drums. Okay, they were playing Stockholm, playing the Globe. Asked you to come on stage. What song would you play? Frederick, you want to come and join us for a song? You pick the song. Anthem. <laughs> Anthem. All right. Nice. Nice. Be cool. Because I know the riff already. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. That helps. Thanks for your time. Thank My you. My pleasure, totally. We'll see you again, hopefully, for a third time soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Anytime. <laughs> Bye.